episode 399, Ben's Avatar, The Way of Water Road Trip. Everyone, it's me, Ben, Ben Avery, and here's what's going to happen in this episode. I am going to, in just a moment, play the music for the episode, and then it's going to jump into my road trip with my trip to go see Avatar The Way of Water, and then my trip on the way home after having seen Avatar The Way of Water, and then I'm going to jump in a little bit at the end to talk a little bit more specifically about some things and ideas and things that I don't reference in the road trip itself because I wasn't sure what I was going to do with the road trip recording that I took. I'm glad I did take the road trip recording because it does add something to this episode because this was initially going to be an episode with Evan, and I wasn't sure if I was even going to use the road trip stuff because... I just wasn't sure how it was going to fit in the conversation with Evan. But there was no conversation with Evan because he got sick when we were going to record. And then he went on vacation and did like this really awesome vacation thing and is having a really fun time and is sending pictures and stuff of him having this really fun time. And yeah, so I'm recording by myself about Avatar The Way of Water. If you do want to know what Evan had to say about Avatar The Way of Water, I will, in the final portion where I come back on mic after my trip, I will read his entire letterboxed Avatar The Way of Water review. The entire thing. Okay, I'm, I'm going to read the entire thing. Um I haven't asked permission from him, but I'm doing it anyway. Uh, and then if he wants to go in more depth on Mike, then we will, I'm sure, find some way to do so. And it might be we do another one of those um, 2023 first half year in review, that kind of thing. We'll see. We'll see. But just to set things up, if you've never listened to this podcast before, a road trip review is where we jump in the car, we drive to the theater Sometimes I do this by myself and I'm just talking to myself on mic. Sometimes it's a conversation where I have multiple people in the car with Evan not living in the state anymore. Doing a road trip episode with him is going to be a lot more difficult, but we, we, we always talked about like trying to bring Steve in and, and figure out a way to like, you know, do a live, uh, a live drive with him where we're driving and he's, he's driving his own vehicle and we're doing some sort of, I don't know, zoom thing or something like that. But seemed like it uh, was always going to be a lot more work than it was worth. So anyway, without any further ado, here is my personal road trip, uh, driving to the theater. It's a short drive, about 11, 12 minutes and then driving home. And so I'm talking about what I'm planning to see, what I'm expecting to see, what I'm hoping to see. And then on the way out, when I'm driving home, I talk a little bit about, well, what I just saw in some vague terms. And then, like I said, I will talk more spoiler, spoilery afterward. But yeah, this is the episode. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend's plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? 
Okay, I'm in the car and I am driving to go to the theater, to go and see a movie. Uh, we talked about this in our uh, looking back at 2022 about how Avatar uh, is, well, the sequel is out. And Evan really liked it and we want to do an episode about it. But I did not want to drive a half an hour away to go see a three hour and 15 minute movie and then drive a half an hour back and basically, you know, spend like five hours on this thing. But I do feel like it is something that is a cultural thing worth talking about right now. And so here's what I'm doing. I am heading out to a theater that is a 10 minute drive away from our house. And uh, I guess I should say the title because usually I start with that. Usually I start with Avatar, The Way of Water, Road Trip, or something like that. But I don't know how this is going to even be used in the episode. If it's going to be used, I'm just going to drive and talk, and we'll see if it gets used. But I did want to spend a little bit of time on the drive there, talking about my expectations, then on the drive back, talking about what actually happened in that movie. Uh, and then we'll have a conversation between me and Evan that is not part of the, the road trip. And we'll see how I edit all these pieces together, but hopefully whatever gets edited together is going to be a decent look at what I'm hoping to be a decent movie. So here's the deal. Uh, <laughs> I am not seeing this on the big screen and I am not seeing it in 3D. I had planned to. I really wanted to. When I went and saw Wakanda Forever, which I had to see in 3D because of the timing of things, I saw the trailer for Avatar, The Way of the Water, whatever it's called. I can't remember what the subtitle is. And it looked amazing. The 3D looked amazing just in that trailer. The fish swimming in the screen in front of me, it looked so good. And it took me back to when I went and saw the first Avatar. And my my relationship with 3D movies, it's not a great one. I don't like 3D. I feel like it's a gimmick that you don't necessarily need. I went and saw Up in 3D. I think that might have been the first 3D movie that I, I went to and paid for it in 3D. Uh, I think. I, I might be wrong on some of the, the timeline here. But I did go and see... Uh, Star Trek 2009, I saw that in 3D. Uh, I saw that in the theater three or four times uh, with different groups of people, and a couple of those times it was 3D, but once or twice it was not, and so that was okay. In fact, I think it was on the... I think it was when it was re-released, uh, like a month or two after it had come out in theaters. It was, I went and saw it in 3D or something like that. But anyway, uh, when I went and saw The Dark Knight in 3D... I told myself I'm not going to watch The Dark Knight again, maybe ever, <laughs> or at least after, it has to be a very long time. Uh, obviously, I re-watched re it when I went to the sequel and that kind of thing, but the 3D experience for The Dark Knight was astounding. It was gorgeous, and it might have even been IMAX. I might have even seen it in IMAX in 3D. Uh, I did not see Avatar in IMAX in 3D, but Avatar, which we've talked about before, that was one of the first things we podcast about, Steve his opinion about Avatar was not great. He didn't like it. And so we argued a little bit about if it was great or not. It was our first argument, uh, you know, and every relationship needs to have that first little conflict there. But my argument was my experience was a fun experience. I really enjoyed myself. And the story didn't get in the way 
of me enjoying myself as I was immersed into the world. And then, of course, after it came out, there was all of this uh, press about people who were seeing the movie over and over again and just that immersive world that James Cameron created. The other thing was, uh, and I talked about this, I think, in our last episode as well, when I went and saw Avatar, I intentionally avoided everything. I intentionally avoided trailers and commercials. And I, when I found out that this was going to be an original concept that is not part of any other kind of IP, you know, it wasn't a Star Wars or it wasn't a well, Aliens franchise or anything like that. When I found out it was an original concept, I just did not want to know anything about it when I went into the movie. I knew it was 3D. I knew it was groundbreaking technology. And so when I went and saw that movie, I didn't know anything about the plot or anything like that. Now, obviously, a lot of people talked about the plot uh, being basically Dances with Wolves or Fern Gully or Dances with Smurfs or whatever you want to say. And there is some value to that. I've only seen Dances with Wolves once. I thought it was really good, but I only saw it once. And so it wasn't real fresh in my mind or anything like that. The Smurfs were probably more fresh in my mind than Dances with Wolves when I went and saw Avatar. But... Yeah, there's things in it like Unobtainium where you just say, ah, that's kind of lazy. It's, it's kind of, you know, just taking tropes and, and not even trying to be creative with them. But I do feel like that is selling Avatar short for what it is, which was world building. Avatar was all about creating this immersive world and the story that took you into the world and hopefully left with you when you left the world The story wasn't great. But here's the thing. I have not watched Avatar since seeing it in 3D in the theater when it first came out, what was it, 12 years ago? 11 years ago? Something like that? I don't even remember how long ago it's been. But it's been a real long time. No one was clamoring for this sequel because of all, well, no one that I knew of was clamoring for it other than there was going to be new technological breakthroughs that were going to come out of it. And that's, you know, one of the things that Star Wars did. Star Wars wasn't just about the cultural phenomenon. Star Wars was also about the technological phenomenon. They were doing things with the cameras. They were moving them with computer precision and using programs and things that had not been done before. And they were pushing technology with each movie that they did. Well, that's also happening with Avatar and with the other Avatar sequels. And so, uh, We argued about it, Steve and I, and I just was okay with the story not being great because I did have a fun time immersing myself in the movie. Now, fast forward to a couple weeks ago, uh, Avatar was on Disney+. Plus. We had actually planned to do a Strangers and Aliens episode devoted to returning to Pandora or something like that. But then they took it off Disney Plus because Avatar was re-released in theaters. And I was planning to go see it in theaters. But again, it's just that whole time investment now of me having to go, you know, drive a half hour and all that. I missed it. We didn't do it. Uh, We thought about maybe buying DVDs and something like that, you know, and shipping them to Evan and Steve and rewatching it that way. But 
you know, it, the way our recording schedule has worked out, there were other things that we wanted to do when we were able to get together. And so that was back burner, way back burner. <clears throat> and then it was back on Disney Plus. I'm sitting there. My son and I, my oldest son and I are trying to figure out what's something we want to watch. Everyone else, has, you know, the girls have gone downstairs. are going to go to bed eventually. Uh, my youngest son was in bed. My wife was in bed. It's just Tim and I upstairs. And I, I thought, well, hey, we can watch Avatar. Why not? Let's watch it. I want to revisit it before I see the sequel anyway. So I rewatch Avatar. And here's the deal. It, I, I didn't have some epiphany or anything like with the Star Wars prequels where I feel like they're better than I gave them credit for when I first saw them. I didn't, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like I was saying to myself, it is better than I thought it was. It actually stayed about the same. Even though the experience was in my living room, watching it on a TV screen, not in 3D, uh, it was big, it was bombastic. The story was serviceable. The characters were serviceable. The moments that I remembered were still there. There were moments I was surprised by because I didn't remember them, even though I'd already seen it. Um, and it was it was a good sci-fi movie. And I didn't mind it one bit. And it actually made me say, I think I, I really am not excited necessarily to see the sequel, but I'm looking forward to it. And so I'm pulling into the parking lot right now, and my expectations for this movie are that it will be big, that it will be bombastic, that the story will not be insulting to me, which is something that people complained about. They, they felt like the story was insulting back in the day with the original. But we'll see what, what happens with that. Um, I want to be carried away. I don't want to be checking my watch. I don't want to be sitting there and saying three more hours left, two more hours left. I want to be taken away. I want to enjoy myself I want this world to engulf me and for me to escape into this fantasy world and for the story to not anger me because it's so stupid. Um, that's all that I ask for. That's all that I ask for. It's all that I want. And that's how this movie will succeed. On the flip side, I have not looked at reviews for this movie. The only person that I have talked to who has seen the movie was Evan. And he put it at number four in his list of the year. So that's high. And so I am going in with some tempered expectations because I don't want to be disappointed. Prepare for the worst. You're not going to be disappointed, right? Although there might be some people who, if the movie wasn't bad, they would be disappointed because of Schrodenfrau. I'm not going to say that word. Schrodenfrau. I'm not going to say it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stop recording and I will record myself on the trip back. But I don't know how I'm going to use any of this stuff, like I said before. So hopefully I can find a seat, but parking lot doesn't have a lot of people. So I think I might be okay. There might be a lot of people who are saying, hey, Saturday night, three-hour movie, count me out. <laughs> so going in. Okay, so here I am back in the car getting ready to drive home. And, you know, since I just plain don't know how I'm going to use this. I'm just going to jump into it. I'm going to be spoiler free for this 10 minute drive home. I don't know. Maybe I'll do spoilers. I don't know. I may not even use this or it might be a post credit. Who knows? But uh, the theater I was at is the Bremen Theater. And 
Um, I might edit this part out if I talk about it with Evan, but geez, this theater sound was so low. I was sitting in the back. The screen was way in the front. What you got to understand about this theater, this is the one I went and saw Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, not Bogus Journey, uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music at, and I like the small town atmosphere of the theater. Don't get me wrong, but uh, this is a much different experience than seeing Avatar on the big screen in 3D. That much is true. Uh, this theater is a very thin, long theater. There's, it's, uh, I, I want to say, seven seats wide, maybe eight seats wide. There's an aisle down the middle between two sets of, of seats, four on one side, three on the other, four on, on one side, four on the other. I can't remember right now. It was dark when I got in there. Uh, probably 20 rows, I don't know. But it's a very long, thin building, and it's just that, that small-town storefront theater which uh, is also the theater in Napanee where I can walk to that one. And now that I've actually figured out how to use the, the lapel mic, I, I, might, I might do some, uh, not uh, road trips, but, but foot, foot trips <laughs> to the theater with that. I don't know. But anyway, I sat down nearly, nearly at the back and, uh, just because I wanted to be away from people, but I wasn't away from people. There were some kids sitting behind me. And they talked the entire time. Just talked, dropped their phone. I want to say one of those girls dropped her phone ten times. I'm not exaggerating when I say that. And they were just making noise. They were laughing. They were getting up, sitting down, getting up, sitting down. Uh, clearly not there for the same kind of movie-going experience that I was there for. Um, so that did cause me to not be immersed in the, in the movie as much as I was hoping to be. But I still, well, we'll get into that. But anyway, um, they kept hitting the seats as well. I, at one point, I felt like they had to be doing it on purpose. But I think that they were just putting their feet up on the seat, two seats over from me, and it was shaking the entire thing. I never do this ever at a theater. Uh, I shouldn't say never, but uh, maybe once or twice I've done something like this. But I actually, <laughs> I say something like this, uh, which isn't that big of a deal. I just turned my head and, and said, would you, would you guys please, please stop, please. And, and they kind of did <laughs> until they got up and left and came back and sat down again and they started talking. But at least they were talking about the movie. Uh, it was toward the end. They had left and, and missed a large part of the climax of the movie. So it reminds me of when I went and saw uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane and it was the most awkward theater-going experience that I ever had because it was reclining seats. You chose your seat. I chose a seat that would not be near anyone, but um, it actually ended up somehow being next to this other person who was there by herself. And so we weren't like sharing the dual seat, but she was in the next one over. She had a blanket. We're both laying down in these reclining seats kind of next to each other. And I'm just like, oh, my word, this is just, it just feels so awkward. And there was nothing, I mean, we were, we were not, like, touching or anything. There was armrests in between us and stuff. But it still felt super awkward. But then she also just kept looking at her phone. And there was one point in the movie, at the very end of the movie, it was a big climax. And I look over, she's not even watching the movie. It's the end of the movie and she's not watching. She's just on her phone. So anyway, that's what it reminded me of a little bit. But 
the other thing was because I was sitting so far away, I didn't get my phone out to, to check this, but I felt like I was watching it on my phone. I really did. Like perspective wise, uh, it really could have been just holding my phone up, you know, close to my face. Uh, and so there wasn't that much of an immersive experience where I'm like in, in the movie, it's just so big and in my face. And then the sound was really low. It was really hard to hear some of that dialogue. And, uh, I was really, (laughs) anytime there were subtitles on the screen, I'm like, yes, all right. I, I can hear you. I see you, (laughs) which if you've seen the movie, um, I just made a, a joke that was referencing the movie, but anyway, the the movie itself, boy, I don't know how much I should say right now because I'm going to talk about it with Evan and we'll have a nice, hopefully a nice conversation, but I was surprised. I was getting misty-eyed. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was feeling it. I don't know. Maybe it's that theater. Bill and Ted face the music. I was also sitting in and feeling teary-eyed and uh, actually had a tear or two rolling down my cheek. And I I did that, you know, robot in a sci-fi movie or alien who's taken over a human body in a movie and something happens and, and they touch their cheek and they pull their finger away and they say, what is this wet stuff? What is wet on my cheek? What is happening to me? My body is doing things that I do not understand. And that was me at Bill and Ted Face the Music. You can go back and listen to that road trip if you'd like. Uh, It was actually a pretty exciting road trip with all the twists and turns of just getting to see the movie. But anyway, this had some moments in it as well where I was just, no, I'm invested in these characters and I'm invested in what's happening to them and I want to see them succeed. I want to see them thrive. I want to see them live and I'm getting excited and when things are happening especially moments of family I'm I'm getting misty-eyed and I'm thinking to myself wow uh, that's not what I expected that's not what I expected at all as far as the immersion goes I only looked at my watch once I looked at my watch once two hours in it was uh, 9 17 when I looked at my watch and like, okay, we got an hour left, but um, I didn't look at my watch again after that because I wasn't, I wasn't looking at it because I was bored. I wasn't bored at all. Uh, the one interesting thing about it is because of the length of this one and the other one, you almost have to, if you're going to watch it again, or if I'm going to watch it again, I should say, um, I almost am going to have to watch it episodically and, and watch it, you know, like an hour at a time and it really does feel like in some ways because of the length and because of the scope, it, it feels like it could be a, a, a TV series. You know, I mean, uh, you break it up in, into 45 minute chunks instead of hour long chunks, you know, because of commercial breaks or whatever, uh, you would be looking at between this, these two movies, you know, eight episodes. And that's, that's a, that's a solid season right there. Break it up into hour chunks and it's still six, six episodes. And so, yeah, I just, was surprised, was surprised by that. And the other thing, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, or have talked about it already, but, you know, the other movie, they said Dances with the Wolves. They said Fern Gully. They said, you know, it's it's all about, you know, 
um, going and saving the, the, the environment and things like that. It's definitely environmental stuff in this movie. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem at all. I can't remember who I was talking with recently, but someone said that, yeah, it's a Save the Whales movie. And I'm like, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with saving the whales? You know, like, the whales never did anything to us. And uh, I know there was whole industries that were based on on whaling and, and hunting whales. But uh, I still would say at this point, especially in history, what's wrong with, with saving the whales and, and protecting and caring for our environment. And uh, there's a couple other thematic things that I think we'll talk about when I'm talking with Evan. But the, the one I want to talk about here is just, you know, the whole environmental agenda. I don't have a problem with it. That's not, that's not a liberal agenda. That's God's agenda. You know, when, when God said he wanted to give us dominion over the earth, he didn't mean he was giving us dominion over the earth to destroy it and to waste it. He gave us dominion over the earth to care for it. It's his gift to us. And, you know, so we, don't, we shouldn't take it as far as some people are taking it, where it's like we, we conquer this place, you know, and, and we own this place. We don't own it. This is a gift. It's on loan from God. <laughs> like, he's going to come with a new heaven new earth, and all those things, and I, I get that, I get that. But at the same time, at the same time, it doesn't mean we treat it poorly, you know. So I'll get off my soapbox there. I hope I'm not saying anything that people can really disagree with because it is a matter of scale in some ways. But anyway, I'm just about home, and uh, I can't wait to, to talk about this with Evan. I think he might be surprised how much I like it. I know that I'm surprised how much I like it. So with all that said, uh, depending on how this edits together, um, this may be me signing off. So this is me signing off and saying thank you for spending time with me on my drive. I appreciate it. Um, it's been a while since I've done this, and uh, I've got the equipment to do it. And I figure I should use the equipment if I've got the equipment, and, and why not? So I'm on my way home now and uh, just turning into my parking lot. That's right. I don't have a driving lot, a, a driveway anymore. And that's kind of cool, but it's also kind of weird. I don't know how to take care of it. Blacktop, it's got stones all over it, and weeds coming up. So, yeah. All right. Thanks for spending time with me. Thanks for uh, driving with me. And. I will talk with you soon, I'm sure. Until next time, Godspeed. Hey, I'm back. And here is the deal. Evan left his review of Avatar The Way of Water on Letterboxd. It's a four-star review, and I do want to let Evan have a little bit of a say within this episode. And so here it is. His entire review, I'm going to read it right now. Four stars. Deeply immersive. So that was Evan's review of Avatar The Way of the Water. Actually, uh, you want to hear more, you can actually listen to our previous episode because he did talk a little bit about how much he liked this movie. It was a, a movie he liked quite a bit. But I wanted to just kind of get into 
and I'm really not going to get into spoilers that much, but I, I did give you a warning that there would be some spoilers that I'm not going to hold back and be completely spoiler free in this in this portion here. But it's really more of a vague kind of spoiler kind of a thing. It's really more of a thematic spoiler, I guess, more than anything else, because there's not a lot to the story. When you're watching this, there's not going to be a lot that surprises you as you're watching this story. And, you know, I we talked about previously, you know, that's kind of a save the whales kind of a thing. And, you know, that's that's actually that's that's noble. You know, I mean, we why why wouldn't we want to save the whales? You know, and they set up the whales being killed as being a horrible thing because they're just killing them to extend their own lives, you know, with the, it's not unobtainium anymore. It's this stuff from their brain that extends human life. And so it's understandable why humans would want that. And it's also understandable why, why corrupt humans would do corrupt things to get that. But there's really not a lot of surprises in this movie. If you're just looking at the plot and just like the first avatar. And I think that there is validity to this. The, the true value of this motion picture is the motion of the pictures. It's the, it's the spectacle and it's, it's the style of things. It's the way that they put it together. I had a little bit of trouble with the storytelling because as I'm watching, they, we spend so much time with these beautiful images of these beautiful creatures doing things in this beautiful setting. And we're spending so much time with that and, and it's just you linger on this and there's nothing wrong with that because it's enthralling and it's engrossing. And I'm watching this and I am being taken away, even though like, how does this movie screen compare to me holding my iPad or phone six inches away from my face? And this movie screen was small and the 3D was not there and the immersion was not there in the same way that I felt when I saw the first Avatar. But I still was in the world and I appreciated the just the grandness of things. It was beautiful. The first Avatar gets dinged for its plot and the simplicity of its plot and the cliche of its plot. And I think that there's some validity to the the criticism for sure except for one thing and that's that it is absolutely valid to have something just be spectacle if you are only judging based on story then that is your prerogative and it's definitely like if if you don't enjoy a movie that is not going to have like a really original plot that you've never seen before then you know that's what you should do. You should definitely, you know, avoid this, you know, but I'm looking at this and looking at the spectacle and thinking to myself, you know what? Spectacle is okay. If you go back to the beginning of cinema, and actually I really want to go back now. I was just watching some videos about uh, Metropolis and about First Men on the Moon, and I would really like to do something where we revisit like these old, old, old and foundational science fiction films that exist not just as homework, but as uh, a thing that does have entertainment value. And there they were created for spectacle. If you look at the first men in the moon, that story is not a very, 
<laughs> enthralling story. It's a silent film. It's very brief. It's very quick. It's going from plot point to plot point. But it really was a chance for this French director to do what he does best, which was to create uh, illusions and to create spectacle and to create these effects that are tricking the audience in ways that they had never seen before. And that's in a lot of ways what James Cameron is doing here, where he is creating something and doing something in a way that's never been seen before. Now, I would say that a great film is going to hit all of the marks and have like this great plot, this great script, great dialogue, great performances, great effects as needed for the story and 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 spectacle, you know, you, you as, again, as needed by the story. This one definitely comes through as something where James Cameron is saying, this is what I want the episode or not the episode, although it did feel like an episode in, in a continuing story. Uh, but this is the story that I want to tell in this work that I'm creating. And he goes about it and tells this story because he needs that story to allow him to do the special effects that he's going to do. And he hangs it on a thin story. But. The other thing that happened is I did mention that I had some emotional uh, responses <laughs> to this movie. And I did feel myself getting choked up a little bit as I was watching because and I don't know if it's one of those things where I've just spent so much time with those characters at that point in the movie. It's not that I spent so much time with the characters like, you know, Star Wars, where you're watching Return of the Jedi. And I, I, I've seen Luke, be, you know, he was a farm boy and now he's a Jedi. It wasn't that kind of time. It was literal time. I've spent two hours with these characters and now I'm seeing their family deal with things and I'm seeing their family be reunited and I'm seeing their family be torn apart and I'm seeing their family work through emotional things that they have to deal with as they are working through the machinations of James Cameron's plot. And there were a handful of moments as I was watching where, and a handful, I guess two, that's not really a handful. So a couple, a couple of moments as I'm watching that I did feel myself get a little choked up. And I, again, this is the same theater that I had seen Bill and Ted face the music in. Um, so maybe it's the location. I don't know. But I think it actually has more to do with the uh, themes of fatherhood and the themes of relationship between father and son. As I'm watching and I, as I am a father and as I am you know, navigating my own family things with my children, I'm watching and I'm saying to myself, oh, this moment here is affecting me. There's an emotional response that I'm having as I'm watching these characters deal with these things. And so it does go beyond just spectacle. It does go beyond just, ooh, pretty. Although there's definitely that. And so I would say, I'm, I don't know. When I first saw Avatar, I was all in and then argued with Steve about it and argued with him uh, about the story really is what it came down to is just how weak the story was or how cliche the story was. Uh, that was, you know, 12 years ago or whatever. And, you know, back then after I had that conversation with him, I kind of retroactively said to myself, Oh, you know, these people are right. There's not much to the story. And Maybe, maybe I shouldn't like it as much as I did. But now, having sat through this one and having done so with the context of those conversations about the first one, 
Now I, I'm saying to myself, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with spectacle for spectacle's sake? What's wrong with being immersed into what amounts to a three and a half hour, three hour and 15 minute roller coaster ride? Especially in the context of looking at Metropolis, although there is some depth to Metropolis that, that the first man on the moon doesn't have. But and it's not just the first man on the moon. It's, you know, it's the train. It's the, the train movie that you've you've seen from way back in the silent era where the train goes toward the screen and people are ducking because what, they've never seen anything like this. And and films started out as spectacle. And then they realized and started putting the drama with it the you know putting narrative to this this these images so that uh you could watch on the screen what you would have seen on the stage and and so they're you know they're doing plays now it was the silent film time and so the plays weren't translating exactly because they couldn't do the dialogue that didn't come until the you know the talkies but that's where film started and it was a gimmick then is it a gimmick now maybe it is maybe it is but if it is a gimmick i would say it's not just a gimmick there is validity to it now there are themes as well that are presented in this story and are they presented heavy-handedly yes they are presented heavy-handedly it is a sledgehammer not a precision tool that i can't think of right now that does more precise work than a sledgehammer. <laughs> but uh, again, you know, it's, it's saying save the whales. There is, you know, there's other things we can get into uh, outside of a, outside of this quick monologue that I'm giving right here. But I would love to hear what you think of Avatar, uh, the way of water and Avatar, the first one as well. And, you know, if you think I'm crazy, let me know. If you think that, my opinion is is off base. Let me know. This is going to be an interesting ongoing conversation, I think, uh, within my brain anyway, not just about this movie, but about presentation of theme. And I know that this is something when you're talking about Christian art, especially, there is this whole thing of, well, can you start with theme and idea because of your theme and then you add your characters and your plot to that. And I know that there are definitely people who say, no, never. You can't do that. And that's going to give you bad art. That's why Christian art is bad art because it starts there. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, but no. I mean, I look at Jesus's stories, his parables, and they feel to me like Jesus is saying, I have a situation here where I want to tell people about this truth about the kingdom. And so I'm going to present this story that features this truth about the kingdom. I feel that Jesus's stories, if you are going to pull anything about initial creation of narrative from Jesus's parables, I feel like the only thing you can learn from him is this. He starts with his message. And he wraps it around a story that people are going to be familiar with. He wraps it around ideas that fit into the context of their culture so that they can look at the story and say, ah, now I understand this truth. 
That's where his parables came from. And I would love to have a debate with somebody, maybe not a debate. I don't know how good it would be if it was an actual debate, but a conversation with somebody who feels differently than I do about this, because I feel like there's a really good conversation to have about that. But if you're going to learn storytelling from Jesus and only from Jesus, then that's that's where I fall on that. However, I don't think that's the only way to do things. I do think that the person who says Christian art must not start with message is half right. It's just that I would take it down a notch and say it doesn't have to start with message. I don't think that that's the only way to do things. I do think you can start with message and say, I would like to do a story. That's where Armor Quest started. I said I wanted to do a story about the armor of God, and that's how Armor Quest came out of that. Time Flies, on the other hand, came out of an idea that literally came from the word Time Flies, and it was about time-traveling flies, and so that's where that came from. And I built the story out of that and pulled some things from some other ideas where this story over here didn't have very good characters, but these Time Flies characters would work with that. I think you can start with character. I think you can start with plot. I think you can start with message. And I think you can start with spectacle. You say to yourself, I want to create, what am I going to create? And the ideas start coming because you're thinking about the message or the ideas start coming because James Cameron is thinking about the technology filming underwater and thinking, I've got this technology to film underwater. What can I do with that in, in the world of Pandora, you know, or you start with a character idea. I have this idea for this really cool superhero. And then, you, oh, but you know, it'll be interesting because his powers are this. It kind of would go along with this theme of this. And, and you can tell the story like this. And it it's, can start with message or theme. It can start with your plot where you just have a really good idea for characters doing something. Or it can start in all these places. I feel like you you can't say there's a hard and fast rule. And I do feel like Christians, maybe we're just so worried that people are going to think we're preaching that we just say to ourselves, we shouldn't preach. We can't preach. You should not preach. And I feel like that doesn't preach. <laughs> I feel like that is the wrong way to go about things. If that doesn't fit your way of doing things, then absolutely don't do it. Wow. Okay. So my rant went in a completely different direction than I thought it was going to go, but Anyway, this was my road trip to Avatar The Way of Water. I would love to hear from you. Send emails to studioavery at gmail.com. That is the place where I will receive emails from any of my podcasts or uh, videos or anything like that. That's kind of the one one place, uh, what do you call that? A clearinghouse, I guess, for, for communication right now. But you can also leave a message on our Facebook page or contact us directly through Facebook. And I would love to have some... Um, feedback on just what I'm talking about here and uh, to share in a, in a uh, future episode. And I would also maybe if, you know, if, if someone is listening and they're like, I would like to have a longer conversation about this than just sending you an email saying that you're, you're, you're goofy. Um, I would love to have that longer conversation too. So anyway, thank you so much for spending time with me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Please check us out strangersandaliens.com that's one place to to check us out and see the different videos and podcast episodes that we have like us on facebook but also hit us up on youtube because we are posting videos there book reviews devotionals all sorts of things so again thank you so much for listening and no matter where your travels take you even if it's the farthest reaches of pandora and the most beautiful of beautiful islands Maybe especially if you're going there, I want to wish you Godspeed. 
You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Lethel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com, where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter, where we are at Strange and Alien, or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is 1-804-3780. And once again, thanks for listening. Deeply immersive.